Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From ThatCast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast, another virtual episode. So, uh... Excited to have our next guest on, Jason Bolt, the CEO and founder of Revenant. Jason, thanks so much for, for joining virtually. Thank you for having me. Excited to be on the show. Yeah, so we're, we're getting used to our, uh, our home work from home setups. I am too, so I appreciate you bearing yeah. with me. Getting yeah, this no problem. So it's you know, extraordinary times, and I appreciate you coming on. I think a lot we can get into, but I'd love just to start, if you don't mind just giving a little, you know, overview of kind of the, the origin story for Revenant and your, your career background. We'd love to, to chat through that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, my, if you looked purely at my career background, uh, you would not see a direct line to Revenant. Um, so I'll give you a little background on, on myself here and, and how I got to um, sort of Revenant the last 10 years of my life, which has been, been incredible. But I actually went to undergrad up in Seattle and was studying to go to law school. Mm. Um, planning to go to UCLA law. Uh, but before that, I, uh, right after undergrad, got a job as a bailiff at the superior court up in Seattle. That's wanted to get a little, turn. yeah, that's quite the last turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to get some legal experience, um, just to get an understanding of what, what the job might actually be like before I committed, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and a big chunk of my life to that profession. Uh, and that, that experience working as a bailiff, uh, was incredible for so many reasons. Um, actually got a, an incredible mentor out of the experience, the judge I worked for for three years. Uh, got to meet people uh, across the spectrum of sort of, um, you know, people that were uh, potentially going to prison and judges that had gone to Harvard, Stanford Law, all that. And, and uh, I was kind of the intermediary between all of them as far as communication and trial management and, so I, I credit that experience with really um, helping me to um, communicate effectively and, and relate to a lot of different types of people. Um, but after that experience, I decided I did not want to go into law. <laughs> um, and on the advice, actually, of the judge I worked for, she said, you're much too creative. Like, you need to, you need to find an outlet for your creative energy. Um, and, uh, and she was also, at the time, it was this was 2008, um, early 2008, she had... Uh, a student from Stanford uh, living in her home that was working on uh, a senator's presidential campaign, uh, and that was Barack Obama. Yeah. Uh, so she made the intro to, uh, his name was Eddie Lee, uh, and we started chatting, and I decided that day that I wanted to be a part of what he was working on. Hmm. So I started working on that campaign, um, kind of know what happened with that whole yeah. thing, but that, that really exposed me to 
just the power of, of creative energy and, and dedication to a cause. Um, there was a lot of, you know, young people that were taking time off from college, people that were leaving or taking sabbaticals from Facebook and big tech companies just to work on this, you know, uh, <laughs> really sort of unprecedented, really first, right. first African president, um, uh, event and, and dedicating so much time and energy to it. And that just, uh, like, I felt a spark that I hadn't felt before being a part of that. Um, and so that was again, sort of an introduction to like anything can be accomplished with the right people and the right energy behind it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and as sort of a added bonus, I met my wife <laughs> working so, on the campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was great. You know, and that's, that's what kept me there initially. I walked in and I saw her and I was like, all right, I made the right choice. <laughs> um, and so we ended up working closely. She was actually working on the governor's campaign up in Washington. Um, and they ended up merging. And so, uh, I, I just happened to volunteer for whatever she wanted me to work on. Uh, and we hit it off from there and ended up going to, um, the, uh, inaugural ball together in DC. Oh, wow. Um, both of our campaigns won. Um, you know, I got, got the full tuxedo. I'm like, it's, this is the best it's going to get. And unless we get married, then you'll yeah. see me in a tuxedo. Again. <laughs> so just a really incredible experience. Um, through all that, um, we, we decided to, again, a little, a little bit of a left turn here, but we wanted to uh, look into medicine and specifically the PA profession, hmm. physician assistant, for mm -hmm. those who don't know. Um, and University of Oregon had one of the only programs in the country that was uh, called a post-baccalaureate pre-med program. So sort of an accelerated, you know, science um, pre-med requirements program uh, okay. that was a year and a half, two years. So we went to, to do that. Um, and here we go, getting to the business side of things. Um, I got, uh, after my first year in that program uh, over a summer down in Eugene, got the idea for um, uh, Revan, which was uh, replacement lenses. Um, and I'm a mountain biker, I mountain bike a lot, uh, okay. wear Oakley's, very expensive frames. And uh, at the time I was also selling products on eBay, so I would buy used iPhones and unlock them and sell them internationally. So I kind of had doing figured out eBay and how <laughs> yeah. that all worked. And okay. doing the hustle, man. Yeah. When you're paying out of state tuition, yeah. you really got to do the hustle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and so just, I mean, just going through that experience of, of understanding the power that eBay had to reach millions of people all over the world, pretty much instantaneously. Um, it, it was really sort of a watershed moment for me. Like, okay, this, this is a new, new way of, uh, of reaching consumers. E-commerce is going to change the landscape right. of, of business in general. And from my apartment down in Eugene, Oregon, I am, you know, selling iPhones to people all over the world and uh, making a profit. Um, I started reaching out to manufacturers that make um, eyewear and just saying, Hey, I'd like, I'd like to get some lenses made for frames I already own. Would you be willing to do that? I reached out probably to about 30 different manufacturers and uh, heard back from 10 of them. And then three of those I could kind of communicate efficiently with or effectively. Right. So um, I ended up s sending frames over to them. And uh, within about a month, month and a half, um, they were shipping sample lenses to my house, uh, all different tints and coatings and colors. So I, I, took those samples uh, and photographed them, went to a jewelry store, bought some boxes and printed out, you know, little labels with our logo on it. <laughs> really scrappy. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, put them up on eBay. Um, it was on a Friday, uh, and by Sunday, I'd sold all 200 that I had put up. Wow. So it was pretty immediate um, in terms of the demand. It was clear there was sort of a vacuum there and that customers were actively looking for the product. And who do you think these people were? Like folks like you, like mountain bikers or just people mm-hmm. who, I mean, was that kind of just yeah. obviously saw buying them or? Yeah, it was, you know, the Oakley consumer is, um, is a very like passionate consumer. I'll say that they're very mm-hmm. passionate about the brand and the product and um, so because that was what I was selling, you know, lenses for, uh, Oakley, Juliet and flak jacket frames at the time. Um, it were, it was, uh, customers that were very similar to me in terms of like outdoor, you know, enthusiasts and, um, you know, they like higher end products. So they're willing to, to pay a little bit more to, um, either improve the product or, or bring it back to life. Right. If it's right. damaged. So you had this, I mean, I, I, that's a great way to do like, have this early product market fit <laughs> kind of yeah, scrappy exactly. way, right? Yeah. I didn't even know what that term was at the yeah. time. Honestly, I know business background, but I was like, all right, what's the cheapest way I can see if people actually want this product. Yeah. And, and honestly, like samples were free. The only cost to me at the time uh, was my time and then jewelry boxes. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it was, it was profitable within, I mean, basically the first order. And I took that, that money and purchased more frames and set up a little uh shipping and distribution hub in my apartment (laughs) um my kitchen was full of boxes in my living room (laughs) at one point so but yeah it really took off and so you i mean i'm just you know seeing the scene there like you're doing this all by yourself it it reminds me a lot of i don't know if you know jamie schmidt but Mm -hmm. you know jamie kind of started the same way i've had a brilliant entrepreneur yeah And, and so what was kind of the next step for you okay like this is a you know, this is a business. Like what, yeah. what do I need to do? Like, take me through that. It's- yeah. Well, honestly, for the first year I was like, this isn't going to work. Like at some point, one of these brands is just going to be like, no, you're not allowed to do this. And, you know, I had the legal background. So pretty quickly I, I started looking into trademark and patent and all of the things that I thought might be threats to our business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did spend quite a bit of money on making sure we had what's called the freedom to operate. So, you know, it's, it's a product that it's a replacement part. Essentially it falls in the category of um, a replacement part, which is allowed legally. Hmm. Um, But for about a year, I just, I was like, okay, this is nice. I'm going to be able to pay my tuition. Oh, this is growing. I might, you know, this is, it got to the point. I remember sitting in my wife's uh, living room on my laptop and I was like, we're doing a hundred K and I'm in, I'm in school right now. And I'm doing it from this, you know, $300 Dell laptop. Um, but it always felt like, at least for the first couple of years, like this could go away like that. Um, and in fact, there were a few times where all the products were taken down off eBay. And I remember again talking to my wife. I was like, well, it was good while well, it lasted, you know. Huh. Um, but just figured out what had happened, made some corrections, got them back up, and uh, just you know, kept my head down and kept going. Yeah. So what was the turn when you, you said... I don't know if you finished school or you said, I'm done with school. I'm, I'm doing this. That's the <laughs> yeah. that, like a lot of, I'm really interested. In. I yeah. think it, it's a dilemma, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it took me about, I would say a year to really commit fully to it. Just say I'm, you know, and, and actually there's a, a mentor of mine, his name's Bryce. He founded a company called Evo up in Seattle. Mm. They actually have a Portland location now. Um, and I remember emailing him and just saying, Hey, 
I think this thing has legs. I, you know, I'm worried that if I, if I go this route, you know, it's a risky route and it could go away. And so I actually drove up to Seattle and we met and chatted for a while. And he's like, you know, you can always go back to school, but, but something that has traction that's profitable basically on the first order. And there's, there's seemingly unlimited demand and you, you're spending less than 1% on marketing. You got to go for that. So, you know, I trusted his opinion and, um, and Laura, my wife, was continuing down the med track. So I said, I, I thought to myself, well, I'll take the risky route. She's, she's going to be the rock if, if everything yeah. <laughs> on my end falls apart, you know, might be leaning on her for a while. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I was unique and lucky in that I didn't have a lot of expenses at the time. You know, I was living in Eugene, basically living as an undergrad mm-hmm. uh, at the age of uh, what, 20, 26, 27. Mm-hmm. Um, so the risk for me wasn't that great in terms of like family relying on me for income or um yeah other expenses like that i know others take a much larger risk when they jump into entrepreneurship but for me it was it was uh just uh at a certain point it was a no-brainer i just loved what i was doing and and it, it sort of tapped into everything that that I had discovered about myself that I enjoyed up until that time. Mm-hmm. So what, what kind of, what were the next steps to, to scale it? Yeah. Um, well, it was, uh, it was kind of the crawl walk run, uh, over a number of years. Um, I, I was really, I'm very risk averse, um, which is kind of funny to say when you're an entrepreneur, but in, in many ways, you know, if I, uh, if I feel like this may not, um, I'm just, I minimize expenses. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. So I, I worked out of my apartment for a year and a half. Then I, I rented a house close to university of Oregon, um, that had a garage and started doing distribution out of there, uh, and just started hiring friends, uh, in class. So I'd say, you know, uh, get, send me your schedule, your class schedule. I'll create like a Google, uh, calendar for when you need to show up to my garage to start packaging things up. And, yeah. um, that was great. You know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and that just, it just kept growing and growing and it was really organic too. That was another thing that, um, was, uh, inspiring to me was that I was not only, you know, reaching customers through eBay, but then they were telling their friends mm-hmm. forums started popping up. I started getting a lot more requests for other frames and, um, I was getting a lot, you know, that was sort of when Facebook was starting to take off and, uh, customers would send me pictures of themselves in their frames with our lenses. And they're just wow. like, Hey man. Um, and I, you know, I appreciated my sunglasses, but I didn't realize how, like how emotional people get about them. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of, a lot of people would send me, um, stories about, you know, I wore these, um, on 30 missions in Iraq and it's the only thing I could take from the battlefield to civilian life. And they were all scratched up and you brought new life to them. Thank you. Thank you. You know, things like that where wow. I just, really uh didn't didn't anticipate that but it was very inspiring um and then so from my house we got an official office um again sort of stumbling my way through this i i ended up leasing this uh it was a former hearing aid office because my a friend of a friend said this is a great deal you got to jump on it and I'm like, I guess this could work. Like, <laughs> and that was like, Eugene and Eugene. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's like, it's in a little strip mall and there's like 12 offices. It was just honestly the worst setup you could have for our, our business. But at the time I was like, okay, seems like this is a reasonable rate. I didn't know what I was doing. So we moved in there and worked out of there for 
about a year and, and we didn't have a storefront, but we're in a strip mall. So people would walk in and they're like, what do you guys do? <laughs> like so coming, some kind of front for something. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, had, we would stack up boxes in front of the windows and just, it was a really kind of shoddy operation, but it worked for the yeah. time and it kept expenses low. Um, then, uh, doubled down and, and leased a much larger, um, and, and more, more sort of, uh, appropriate space for shipping and distribution. Um, I think that that was about 4,000 square feet. Okay. I had a small office and so yeah, that's when it started to pick up. And then in 2014, let me get my years right here. I mean, in 2015, um, we decided to move up to Portland. Um, my wife got a job or got into school at, uh, Oregon health sciences university. Okay. And, uh, and uh, I just, we needed to, to move up here to get access to honestly more talent. Um, and uh, so made that move, uh, moved shipping and distribution over to Reno, Nevada, started using a 3PL. Hmm. It's like, oh, this is great. And, what, and what's a 3PL exists. for folks that don't know? Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't use acronyms. It's a third party logistics provider. So essentially they handle um, shipping, distribution, pick, pack, ship. So like for us, it made sense because we're, we're an e-commerce company. Mm-hmm. We're a service and e-commerce company and, and, um, you know, pick, pack and ship is a, is a whole nother area of expertise. And a lot of it relies on volume. Yeah. So you can get discounts with, um, you know, USPS, UPS, all the shipping providers. And, and so partnered with them, uh, that allowed us to scale much faster. Um, and then, uh, yeah, from there, I, there's, there's, you want me to take you to now? I can no, we'll, kinda... let, yeah, we'll, we'll get to now. And I'm, I'm interested. Okay. Have you just been like boots at that point? We were just still bootstrapping yeah. it or yep. I guess, um, sure. had you even thought about like raising money or were you just like, so, <laughs> Hey, we're profitable We're we can fund this ourselves or what kind of, where were you at yeah. that and compared to now, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hadn't, I haven't really touched on, I was actually running two businesses too. So I launched two businesses in Eugene, okay. uh, and the other one was licensed eyewear. I used the same supply chain. And we just, we, the concept was, uh, it actually came from going to University of Oregon Ducks games where all the students were wearing like green and yellow, everything head oh, to right. toe. Yeah. Uh, except they'd be wearing these knockoff, um, like black Wayfair style sunglasses. Yeah. I was like, oh, we can make those in school colors and probably sell a ton of them. Uh, Cause everyone's in a stadium, right? You yeah. have like 30, 60,000 people out there in the sun. Um, so uh, I, I, from the same manufacturer that's making our lenses, I started importing green and yellow sunglasses. So like green frames, yellow yeah. mirror. Yeah. I've probably bought some of it. I'm a duck alumni. I had a game. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. the company's name was Shady Peeps. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, ended up getting a licensing with 80 universities, the NBA and the MLS. And that was more of a retail um, focused business. So wholesale. We, we had accounts with um, universities all over the country, um, LIDS, uh, mm. Fanatics. And so um, moved both of those up to Portland um, and then sold, uh, I actually rebranded Shady Peeps to Society 43 because we had a little bit of a trademark issue um, and sold that to a group of investors up in Seattle in 2015 just to focus on Revan because Revan okay. was a rocket ship. Um, so yeah, moved up here and uh, focused on that. And I, yeah. Yeah. And so where, where's the business? I'd love to talk about, uh, you know, where's the business now? And then we'll get into just kind of what's going on economically with uh, yeah, But So I know, yeah. we, you know, before we start recording, your, your offices are uh, central, kind of industrial e- east side right there. Yeah. Yeah. 
how many folks do you have now? We have 36 right now. Okay. So we actually just hired uh, two more people over the last two weeks. Oh, great. So still very committed to, you know, growing the business and, and uh, the mission we're on even during these uh, turbulent times. Yeah. And have you raised capital? Can you share that? Are you still oh. self-funded or where kind of where's... Yeah, happy to talk about it. We're self-funded. So we bootstrapped um, since the beginning. And that's, I know that's very rare uh, yeah. to be able to do that, but that's been a real focus of mine. I'm just... I've, uh, I'm, I read a lot about business, um, just, just, and some of the, you know, the, taking on money is, is, uh, obviously essential sometimes, but I've also read so many stories about how it can go so wrong and really drive, um, steer the business in, in a direction that the founder never wanted because of the pressure to grow and, and deliver a, a certain multiple to shareholders that are, are focused on just that. Right. Um, when I started Revent, uh, the idea was to really create a company where we could decide what was most important. And oftentimes that's not growth or profit. Uh, those are obviously the profit side is a tool, um, a necessary tool. But, but I also um, just want to be able to have a broader vision for what we're building. Uh, and so... Yeah, hasn't been easy, but we're self-funded. Um, we we uh, we have equipment lines of of, of credit um, for some of our manufacturing equipment we now have in Portland, but um, no debt other than that. Wow. Yeah. And do you have do you do you have investors? I'm sure come to you like, hey, Jason, what's <laughs> what's going on? Or, or yeah, and, and you never say never, probably, but uh, yeah, I'm yeah, you're curious. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, ever since we got listed on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in, in the U.S. Uh, that, that has been kind of a nonstop <laughs> stream of, of uh, investment um, interest. But, and I do have a list. I have a, actually a Google Doc just with prioritized like uh, investors, angel investors, VCs, private equity, who would we work with and why? And I think about it more from a strategic perspective. Like when we get to a certain point where we really want to scale. Um, who would we want to work with? What sort of expertise do they bring to the table? So cash is sort of like the price of entry. Like, all right, right. you have the cash, but now what do you bring in terms of your network, your expertise? Um, what are you going to do to help us uh, catalyze um, our, our path to, to achieving our mission? I love that. And how important, um, I just had a, um, his name's Neaton Rye. I don't know. If, oh, yeah. Neaton, yeah, he's, he's one I've talked to quite a bit, actually. Really like them. And what I love about what they're doing and just a lot of, you know, venture and seed firms are coming in with this, they really have this big values proponent. Yeah. And it's like, hey, we don't just write checks. This is uh, our values and, and why we invest mm -hmm. in certain, you know, people or groups. Uh, I, I would assume that that's important to you too, if you ever went down that road. Yeah. I mean, we're a values driven organization, honestly, mm -hmm. we it's ingrained in our DNA and, and knitting that elevate has done a phenomenal job of, of recognizing not just talent from a sort of opportunity and return perspective, but also people that uh, have deeper roots. And I think, you know, just kind of tying it into what we're going through now, if you don't have a values based organization, it's going to be a struggle because this is, this is, and we're already seeing it where your team has to believe in what they're doing and stay focused and, believe in your mission beyond generating a profit uh, or you're not going to, a lot of people won't or companies won't be able to survive this. And so I, I guess 
as an outcome of what we're going through right now, I think it's going to, you're really going to see like which companies have those deep roots and, and which ones are committed to their communities and the people that make up the company. Um, because that's, that's, what's going to help guide through all this. A hundred percent agree. And that's such great perspective. And it's, for me, it's, it's trust too, right? Trust to your employees, trust yep. to the community. Um, and how is this, if you can share affecting your business right now or just supply chain or it's, it sounds like you, you kind of saw this in early days, probably early January and you already started putting plants in place. So, yeah. Yeah. And I honestly think that again, going back to like our, our value of building community and building trust, creating community, building trust are two of our values. And, and for that reason, we're very close with our supply chain partners. Um, some of whom are, are over in Asia and, and obviously that's where, uh, the genesis of, of COVID uh, was. And so back in December, we started hearing from them that, you know, this, this was concerning them. Um, and they were making preparations and contingency plans to ensure that, you know, they could continue to supply our product. Um, and so our team started talking about it back then. We, we didn't start making contingency plans until late February. Um, and that's, you know, that's around the time when the outbreak in Kirkland um, came out. And so, right. yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah. It's, um, I hope, you know, I hope we get through it quick. It's a, yeah. it's a tough time, but. And I, and I can talk a little bit about how it's affected our business too. I've been, uh, open, um, okay. just about, you know, over the last, I'm, I'm fine sharing this with a hope that it'll help, you know, other entrepreneurs hearing this, like we're, we've been hit, um, revenue wise, we're down, uh, about 25%, um, since, it, so this was about two and a half weeks ago. It, it mm. kind of fell off a cliff, right? The Thursday when sort of the NBA announced that they're stopping games, everything started becoming real, I guess, for people here. Um, and uh, so that, that hit us right away. Our supply chain was... Uh, Sorry, my four-year-old's uh, Zoom bombing us. Uh, hey, <laughs> what's their name? James. Say hey real quick. Hey, James. <laughs> Hi. Okay, can you go downstairs, bud? I know, but we got. <laughs> oh, so cute, man! Sorry about that. Oh, that's great. I mean, these are like I love these moments. Honestly, yeah, our team—you know—we're all doing this now, and and I've gotten to know our team better than I ever have because of those types of moments, right? Sorry, I think. It, yeah. <laughs> great. Um, yeah. So, well, I appreciate you sharing that. And what's kind of your? Are you? bringing your your marketing down or what's kind of the message yeah. you're doing to your 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 community yeah I guess, right now yeah we're still working through like what sort of specific messaging is appropriate right now um externally right in terms of like well how do we continue to um grow the business like what does that look like uh right now everything's so dynamic and i do want to acknowledge that like we're lucky that we're only 20 25 down a lot of my friends that run uh retail locations bars restaurants like right it's a it some of them they're done and that's that's very sobering so um we're we're lucky in that we're online we're direct to consumer um from a manufacturing standpoint um you know we can continue to operate obviously yeah. with following all the guidelines um but yeah uh, i think that that's it's a challenging time for a lot of people we are uh working right now we have two external partners in the u.s that make our prescription lenses okay um so we we do about 60 percent of our non-prescription product here in portland the rest is imported pre-cut from asia and then we distribute um 
but we're fairly well diversified online and, uh, and that's helped us a yeah. lot. So what's kind of, what's kind of next for Rodent? What yeah. You, what's, I'd love to learn more about, uh, what you, what your plans are. Yeah. You know, sure. we're getting, we're getting creative. I would say, you know, for me, the big focus right now is, is obviously the health of the team and the mm-hmm. company. Uh, and then, and, and a big component of that, that I, I think needs to be recognized or should be recognized by leaders right now is, is beyond just sort of the physical health. It's the mental aspect of what this sort of pressure and anxiety does. Can you hear that in the background? That's fine. Sorry. No, it's okay. really light. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, just the, the sort of pressure and anxiety that comes from having this in the background, um, yeah. like that, that weighs on the team. So we're focused a lot on creating connection points with team members, making sure, you know, checking in a lot. Um, my management team, my leadership team is phenomenal. Um, I just hired the, I had been on sort of a 12 month, uh, project where I was hiring a, a, a new team of directors and wow. that wrapped up in January. So we're all now like, this is, uh, we're in the trenches, so to speak, yeah. just working through this and getting creative. So on that side, we, we've done a lot um, online. We do uh, surveys. We're doing lunches together. We're doing happy hours, yeah. video, you know, just as much as we can. Um, and then on the business side, you know, we're, we are seeing a significant downturn in the core business. Um, so we're getting creative and accelerating some of the biz, into some of the business opportunities that were slated for later in the year 2021. Okay. One of those areas is, is definitely the prescription lens business. Um, unfortunately, a lot of eye care providers and opticians have had to close up shop. Um, and so we're seeing a lot more consumers come to our website that are looking for prescription lenses, which are, you know, a necessity right now, hmm. always, but, but they're, they're harder to come by. Um, so we're hearing that from customers. Um, we are accelerating um, some of the the plans we have in place to actually offer a, a much wider selection and drop our prices by 20, 30% with some oh, new wow. partners. Okay. Um, so that's really exciting. And, and, you know, it's, it's a little glimmer of hope in, in a time when we're just basically triaging. Um, right. And so, you know, we're seeing RX business is up 66% year over year. Wow. It's big. So, um, yeah. That's amazing. And, um, to kind of as we a few more things that not take too much of your time, Jason. Just you know, I always love to talk about you know Portland, and yeah. Like just the community here. What are your thoughts on doing business here? Maybe thoughts on the future of it, and and specifically to COVID nineteen. Yeah, I think we have such a resilient business community here. I think we do. Really, it's going to bounce back, and there's a lot of support. So, I mean, what, yeah. what do you think? Just in general. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. You know, that's um, that's something we need to protect too. I think, you know, like organizations like uh, OEN, uh, the Technology Association of Oregon, uh, Built Oregon and Mitch and, yeah. uh, you know, that whole group, Stephen and, um, and Rick. Uh, those are the types of organizations that are, are very unique and very valuable uh, and serve our early stage entrepreneurs uh, in so many ways. Um, and so doing as much as we can, you know, obviously, again, health of my company, health of my team paramount but then what can i do as an individual to help those organizations help other people that's that's the other side of this that i'm um i I think as much as we can as a community to support them and support other entrepreneurs uh, we need to do that because it's portland's like no other place in in the country that i've been to or even in the world in terms of of the connection and and, uh support we show each other so 
I want us to survive through this and keep that mentality. And in fact, that's, this is when that mentality counts, you know, when, when people are down and uh, need our support and, you know, whether it's financial, mental, physical, like we just have to think, try and think outside ourselves, even though the, I think the tendency is to go in, you know, insular in situations like this. This is the time when uh, I'm seeing it all over the place. Just people kind of thinking about other people, getting creative with ways to, support each other. Um, and so I'm, I'm very encouraged by that. Well, Jason, thanks so much, you know, for, for being on, I know it's a busy time for you and, and just looking forward to staying in touch. And, um, again, we'll, we'll get through this and I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, my pleasure. I mean, anything I can do to support you, support the community, um, we'll do it. So, um, I do. Can I give one other thing in here? Cause I yeah, think this is bet, important Jason. just for, you know, we're, we're, we're at a stage where we can uh, weather this pretty well. Um, but I think just if you're able to, for those of you that are listening, if you have a barber, if you have, you know, anyone that provides a service that you can buy a gift card from, go out and do that now. If they need the money. Uh, and this will float them through that time. I just bought 10 haircuts from my barber a gift card. And awesome. it's so meaningful to people uh, that, that, sort of um need that income and aren't getting it right now um they have mortgages they have expenses like we do so don't forget about those entrepreneurs they may not have you know the the businesses making the front page of the business journal or winning awards but those are the people that make uh portland unique and special in many ways so absolutely thanks for that yep the pdx executive podcast is a production of that cast a portland oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.